Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good afternoon, America. Good afternoon, Rochester, New York. Welcome to Got Freedom. This is the Got Freedom podcast. Your host, uh, Chad Hummel. Thank you for joining me here today on the We the People podcast network. And as always, thank you to Austin. Austin, you there? Is this thing? Yes. On? Hello. Sorry, I was potting down music. <laughs> oh, I know you're there. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. Just want to make sure we get that good old thumbs up. Oh yeah. Get the thumbs up from Austin. All right. Hello, everybody. So welcome back to the Got Freedom podcast. Happy Tuesday afternoon. A lot is going on as usual. And I have three uh, three main topics I want to cover today. And unfortunately, two of the three topics deal with masks and vaccines, right? It's been two years now. I think it was two years on March 13th, when um, when the major shutdowns uh, began to occur in New York State by executive order of Andrew Cuomo. Um, so we're a full two years in now. And with the release of our children a couple weeks ago, right, when Queen Hochul, or what's her name, Austin? Uh, the Apostle Hochul. Correct. The Apostle Hochul. And there she is, one of our favorite pictures. Uh, just to remind you, that's Apostle Hochul way back when. Um, I think that was December 21st, maybe. Uh, December 10th, 2021. December 10th, 2021. Correct. I was thinking 21. Yeah. December 10th, 2021. That was Queen Hochul announcing the indoor mask mandate as she stands indoors unmasked, right? And... There's a reason why we have to keep showing that. There's a reason why we have to keep talking about this. Um, and that's because it's not over. Um, it's really not over. It's not over for two reasons. One, because it's actually not over. And two, because if we don't talk about it and deal with it and take steps to make sure um, that it never happens again, then it will, in fact, happen again. So, And here's, here's why it's not over. Here's what's not over. Um, I just want to give you my own anecdotal experience uh, the other night. Actually, I think it was last night. Uh, today's Tuesday. Yeah, it was Monday night. So I go to Brighton Town Court, right? Brighton, town of Brighton here in Monroe County. I go to Brighton Town Court representing a client on a matter. And other than for my own court appearances, um, I haven't been to court much in the past year. Uh, mostly due to COVID, uh, but partly due to just other 
other things going on in my, my professional career. So I go to Brighton Town Court uh, uh, last night and park my truck, get out of my truck, start to approach um, the courthouse door. And, you know, of course, because of how things have gone for the past two years, if you're like me, your eyes immediately begin to scan the door, the glass to see if there's any signs uh, regarding mask requirement and, and things like that. And again, with with the backdrop of you thought it was over when your kids were allowed to take their masks off a couple weeks ago, um, but I don't see any signs. There's no signs on the doors. I do know uh, from what I had heard that masks are still being required in New York State courthouses. I think we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago on the right here on the podcast. Um, so I open the door and I walk in, and the first thing I see is the Monroe County Sheriff deputy who's manning the uh, metal detectors, uh, screening people to go into the actual courtroom, and he's standing there without his mask on. So, of course, I immediately think to myself, self, holy cow, masks aren't required in the courthouses anymore. When did this happen? Um, and, and I look around, and there's probably 15 people that all appear to be individuals that are there for court. Uh, there's about 15 people hanging out in the lobby outside the metal detectors before you go into the courtroom. And that's because the courtroom had yet to be unlocked. So everybody's waiting um, for the the deputy, the, the sheriff deputy, to announce that the courtroom's now open, you know, and then everyone's going to stand up and start going through the metal detector. So I look around at these individuals, and, and if there was 15 people, 14 of them had a mask on. There was one gentleman who was sitting that did not have a mask on, and then there was myself who didn't have a mask on, and the sheriff deputy that I mentioned. And I glanced over inside uh, behind the glass, which was the window, the clerk's window for the Brighton Police Department, and there were two female individuals that were behind the glass, and neither one of them had masks on. So I'm thinking, okay, well, this is Brighton, so maybe maybe these 14 or so individuals uh, who reside in Brighton, uh, they just didn't get the memo yet that um, that masks don't work and that masks aren't required anymore, and that's probably why they had their masks on. So, so we're waiting for about five minutes, and um, all of a sudden, the deputy uh, makes an announcement. The deputy says, okay, we're going to open up the courtroom. Uh, you're going to have to come through the metal detectors. Once you get inside the courtroom, you are going to have to sign in, and so on and so forth. And then comes the bombshell, right? Then he says, and while masks are not required while you sit out here. They will be required once you go in the courtroom. And then, of course, immediately my blood pressure starts to boil, right? Because, not because I'm going to be required to wear a mask, that's part of it, but because of the insanity, right? The absolute insanity of the fact that while we were sitting out in the lobby and everybody is sitting in chairs right next to each other, literally. So out of those 15 people, including myself, I would say 10 of the people were sitting down in chairs that were elbow to elbow, okay? And apparently masks were not required, as the deputy just announced. Again, he himself was not wearing a mask. But once we step foot into the courtroom, and we are then instructed to sit in pre 
ordained seats that have yellow dot dots, yellow sticker dots placed on the back of the seats and they're so that they're spaced apart, socially distanced, then we have to wear a mask, right? You get it? You understand how the science works? This, this is how the science works, folks. When you're in a New York State courthouse, this is how the science works. When you're outside the courtroom, but still inside the building, you don't have to wear a mask and you can sit elbow to elbow. When you step foot inside the courtroom where the people's business goes on in our courthouses, one of the most revered and sacred places, I guess other than a church or a chapel, is, is inside the courtroom, right? That's where our constitutional liberties are on trial, literally and figuratively, every single day in this country. Once you step inside that courtroom, you have to put a mask on and socially distance and sit in a chair that has a yellow dot on it, and they still have the yellow arrows on the floor directing traffic, and you have to sign in and declare who you are and what you're there for. Now, I don't know if I can make this um, sound as alarming and as important as it really is, because I don't want to. I don't want to be an alarmist. I don't, I don't want to sound like an alarmist, okay? I guess I want to be an alarmist. I want you to be alarmed, but I don't want to, I don't want to come off as an alarmist, right? Does that, does that make any sense? Probably not. Maybe you understand what I'm trying to say. Hopefully you do. This is very, very, very important for you to know, okay? You're not going to Wegmans anymore and seeing the vast majority of people with masks on. In fact, the employees now, you've probably noticed, have taken their masks off at Wegmans because they were finally told they could. Everywhere you go, you are not seeing the mask anymore. And it's going to be out of sight, out of mind very soon. That's how, that's how we are, right? We, we, we forget real quick. There's news cycles. And we forget real quick about what happened yesterday and we're on to the next day. But you need to know, and it should concern you. And if it doesn't concern you, this will happen again, right? It affected you once. And just because it's not directly affecting you now, you need to realize that it can and will affect you again. Because right now, in the courtrooms of New York State, there is still some sort of bizarre, weird, twisted psychological operation going on. Right? Where again, apparently the science in New York State courthouses is that while you're outside the courtroom, you can sit elbow to elbow and not wear a mask. But once you step foot inside the courtroom, you have to sit in a preordained seat with a yellow dot on it, follow the arrows on the floor, and put a mask on. Did the courthouses not get the memo that COVID is over in New York State? Did they not get the memo that the masks don't work? They must not have gotten that memo. Well, you know, can I just ask, uh, yeah. did they at least have microphones in the in the waiting room? I know if you have a mic, you don't need a mask. <laughs> no, they didn't. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, then I then it doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, it's it's ironic that you bring that up because there are microphones inside the courtroom. So when you're standing behind the microphone inside the courtroom, you would uh, you would assume that based on you know Mr. Bellow there and and Apostle Hochul, you would assume that when you're behind the microphone and talking, you don't need a mask, but not in a courthouse. In a courthouse, 
when you're behind the microphone, you still need a mask on. And it gets even more bizarre. So if you've ever been in a courtroom, in a criminal courtroom, you know that the district attorney is standing somewhere off to the to one side of the judge and the defense attorney or the public defender is always standing off to the other side of the judge, depending upon what side of the room the jury box is on. And of course, the judge is in the middle, somewhere elevated up on a bench, as it's known as, right? And so now you walk into the courtroom, and not only are the yellow arrows on the floor and the yellow dots on the seat, but then are you familiar with those um, kind of like those newfangled um, posters or, or advertising mechanisms where where you pull it up out of the... I'm terrible at explaining things. Austin, do you know what I'm talking about? So if, if you want to advertise your company and you're doing it remotely, let's say you're going to an event, you buy this banner and these banners kind of roll up, kind of like how a movie screen would pull down, but these kind of pull up and they, they go on a stand. Uh, I, I think I understand what you're saying. I don't know that I've seen. Yeah, so the- so basically there's these pull-up um, pull up shields. They, they come out of a mechanism on the floor, right? And they pull up. And then they hook to a stand at the top and they're clear screens. So they're, I don't know, maybe six foot tall, six foot five, let's say, to be on the safe side in case a tall attorney walks in the courtroom. But in front of or next to both the district attorney and then the lawyer on the other side of the room are these clear shields or these clear um, stands that are up. And you stand to one side of it. And the judge has this big, huge piece of plexiglass in front of him up on the bench. And when, I, when my case was called, I walked up to the podium with my client and I directed my client to stand next to me at the podium, which is where my client has stood next to me for 19 years as a practicing attorney in a courtroom until last night, right? Now that masks are over, now that COVID is over, I walked into a courtroom last night and I directed my client to stand next to me. And of course, we had masks on. I'm ashamed to admit it. And you know what the judge did? You know what the judge said? The judge told my client to go to the other side of the screen. Can you believe this? He told my client to go to the other side of the plastic screen that was next to me. So now there's a plastic screen in between my client and I. And the DA's behind her plastic screen. And the judge is behind his plastic screen. And everyone has masks on. And the audience is sitting socially distanced on chairs with yellow dots. And there's yellow arrows on the floor. And people that were not defendants but were there with a defendant, let's say somebody's father or somebody's girlfriend or somebody's significant other, they were asked to sign in and declare who they were and why they were there. That's also something that's never happened in 19 years of set, setting foot in a courtroom, in a criminal courtroom. Attorneys have always signed in to courtrooms, a criminal courtroom, but there's a reason for that. We sign in so that the judge can get us in and get us out because a lot of attorneys that are going to night court are going to multiple night courts. So as a courtesy, the judges, the practice has always been long before I became an attorney, but at least for the past 19 years, the practice has always been the attorneys get a sign-up sheet and then that sign-up sheet gets passed up to the judge and the judge goes off the sign-in sheet. 
And then once the judge is done with the sign-in sheet of the private attorneys, then he just calls the docket in alphabetical order or in whatever order he or she wants at that point. But last night in Brighton, I had to sign in, but my client also had to sign in. And my client's father, who was there with him, also had to sign in. And, and according to the deputy, he was told to put down that he was there as a support person. I mean, what in the hell is going on? Who is a support person at a criminal court proceeding? Right? It's kind of like when you go into the doctor's office during COVID and, and the chairs were all marked and they had the chair for the patient and then the chair for the support person. There's some sort of operation going on here. There really is. And this isn't, you, you can call it a conspiracy and you can call it crazy talk because that's what, that's what you do. And then, and then six months later, it's, the, it's true, right? Six months later, the crazy person with the conspiracy theory is proven true. So you tell me then, if, if this is a conspiracy theory, if this is not a conspiracy theory, then what is it? Because it's true, right? I saw it with my own eyes. I lived it and experienced it last night. So tell me why. Tell me why that when you go into a New York State courthouse, still to this day, you are wearing a mask, you are following arrows on the floor, you're sitting behind a yellow dot, you're standing behind a screen, the judge is behind a screen, and the deputy's asking you to declare who you are and why you're there. I don't know. I don't know, folks. You figure it out. When you, fi when you figure out the answer, you let me know. It's pretty scary stuff, though, because there's a reason why it's happening. And we know it's not because of COVID. That's just a simple fact. Because if it was obviously about COVID, then obviously New York State would still have all of these mandates in effect statewide, especially at the schools, right? Especially at the schools. But apparently, it's only in the courthouses now. So why? Why? It's obviously not, it obviously has nothing to do with COVID. It has nothing to do with science. It has nothing to do with safety and viruses and illnesses. So what is it? What is it? Um, okay. So moving on from that, and 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 I and I might come back to that because I I think there's a, I think there's a little bit of a common thread there in what I just talked about. Uh, if I if I remember to bring it up later on in, in our next discussion, I, I want to try to connect those dots. But the next topic that I want to try to quickly move on to is. I said we would talk about masks and vaccines. So, so of course, unfortunately, we still got to talk about vaccines. Many of you heard the talking points or the little clips over the past 48 hours of the Pfizer CEO. I don't even know his name offhand. We're going to have him on the screen here in a minute. But the Pfizer CEO gave an interview, I think it was to CBS, and now, of course, it's gone viral. And he said certain things that are pretty black and white and quite frankly, cannot be taken out of context yet immediately, immediately because his comments exposed the fallacy that the vaccine has been for the past year or so. How long? I think the vaccine's been around for about 14 months now. It's been commonly available um, to the public for probably 12 months, but it's been out for 14, I think. So, of course, if somebody like you or I were to have called the efficacy out of the vaccine or called into question the efficacy of the vaccine uh, over the past several months, 
obviously you know what would happen, right? You would be literally banned, right? You would be kicked off of Twitter. You'd be banned from uh, Facebook. You'd be put in Facebook jail. You'd be ostracized by your friends and your family. You'd be called a lunatic and crazy. And more importantly, most importantly, you'd be called what? Austin, what do you call somebody who calls into efficacy a vaccine that doesn't work? I mean a vaccine. You'd be called a conspiracy theorist. (laughs) Well, that's for many reasons. I'm called a conspiracy theorist. You'd be called an anti-vaxxer, of course. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. Right. It doesn't work. Therefore, you're an anti-vaxxer. No, actually, it just doesn't work. Right. So now when the CEO of Pfizer himself says that the vaccine doesn't work, now what happens? Does the, the, do the apologies roll in? Do the, do, the, do the social media bans get lifted? Are people let back on social media? Um, are people now called um, truth talkers? No, no. Now the media runs, immediately runs and does fact checks and issues fact checks and says, oh, well, it was taken out of context. Oh, this, oh, that. Horse crap, right? Other, otherwise known as bullshit. So let's... um. Let's listen to a little clip. If you can, you can barely understand this guy, but let's listen to a little clip from the Pfizer CEO. Uh, I believe this interview was given just this past Sunday. So you've seen some of that data on a on a fourth dose, a second booster shot. Mm-hmm. You think it will be necessary? It is necessary a fourth boost right now. The, the protection what you are getting from the third, it is uh, good enough actually quite good for hospitalizations and deaths is not that good against infections but doesn't last stop there Mm -hmm. but we are just submitting those data to the that's okay can you rewind about i don't know seven or eight seconds let's listen again actually quite good for hospitalizations and deaths is not that good against infections stop there doesn't last did you hear that folks it's quite good for hospitalizations and deaths and not good for infections. Do you understand what he's saying? What he's saying is the very thing that millions of conspiracy theorists in America said for 12 months, that the COVID vaccine does not prevent infections, right? And make no mistake, he's not being specific to to Omicron. He's not because let me let me just read to you this. Let me let me read to you I, I printed out the the narrative of of what he just stated. And he says, you just heard it. Right now The way that we have seen it is necessary, a fourth booster right now. The protection that you are getting from the third, it is good enough, actually quite good for hospitalizations and death. It's not that good against infections. Well, if it's not that good against infections, then um, is it a vaccine, right? Well, we all know that the FDA changed the definition of a vaccine once COVID came out and once the the so-called vaccine came out because they knew it was not designed nor did it prevent you from acquiring and transmitting um, the COVID virus. So now 
Let's jump over to the fact checkers. So Austin, if you if you have that other clip. So this is from a so-called fact check, right? Because if you Google this story, immediately you'll see the story and then you'll also see a dozen fact checks um, because they don't want you to read the truth and hear the truth directly from the horse's mouth. They want you to go and read the fact checks where they spin and twist everything. So here's the fact check. And they quote him again from a different part of the interview. Here's the situation. I'm sorry. Here the situation has been deteriorated because of the Omicron, which had a very quick ramp up. It is a disease that manifests a little bit less in terms of mildness. I mean, it's more mild. So he's telling us that Omicron is more mild. But you know, because of the higher infectious rates, still the hospitals in absolute numbers are going much higher in terms of severe disease. So on one hand, he said that the hospitalizations and the deaths are doing good, right? Meaning that they're low. But then over here in the interview, he says that the hospitalizations and absolute numbers are going much higher. I mean, which one is it? We're all over the place. The point is, and I guess the bottom line, and in a minute we'll talk about Anthony Bottom, right? Many of you have heard of that story locally here. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. But the bottom line here is the Pfizer CEO has now publicly declared what we all knew all along, and that is, is that the vaccine does not prevent acquiring or transmitting the virus. And I don't care if it's the original virus, the second version, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. It is what it is. Viruses mutate. That's what they do, right? Hashtag science. So the only one that matters is the one that we have now. The only virus that matters is the mutation that's currently in circulation, whether that be Omicron or Delta or Deltacron or Oma Delta or whatever they want to call it. Okay? Because herd immunity is long in place for the previous variants or the original coronavirus, COVID-19, right? Whether by vaccine or by, or by contraction of the virus, herd immunity has got that covered. The only thing that does matter is Omicron. And if they're acknowledging that it's mutating, and if they're acknowledging that the, that the vaccine doesn't prevent the acquisition and transmission of it, then it never will. Okay? It never will. So it's essentially a therapeutic, which means you call it. You decide. You decide whether you want the therapeutic or not. You decide whether or not you want to risk going to the hospital and dying or not. Right? Isn't that why we had to lock down? Isn't that why we had to wear masks? Because we had to protect everybody? Isn't that why we had to get the vaccine originally? Because we had to protect everybody else. It wasn't about us. It was about our neighbor. It wasn't about us. It was out of respect. It wasn't about us. It was about grandma and grandpa. It wasn't about us. It was about our teachers. It was about our teachers taking it home to their parents. Right? Isn't that what it was about? If masks work, why the vaccines? If vaccines work, why the masks? Well, now we know the answer. I mean, I knew the answer. But now we know the answer. The answer is, I'll tell you in a minute when my camera goes back on. The answer is that's because neither of them work right? The mask doesn't prevent the spread of the virus and neither does the vaccine. Neither one of them work. If you want to lock yourself in your bedroom, if you want to drive around alone in your car with two masks on, 
Those things might work. If you want to go to Brighton Town Court and sit behind a yellow dot and a screen, that might work. It's not how I'm going to live my life, though. All right. I don't want to talk about masks and vaccines anymore. I just want it to be over. I sound like a whiny little liberal. Hey, just, you know, two, like snowflake. two weeks, flatten the curve. Oh, yeah, two more weeks? Is that what it is? Uh, it must be, right? <laughs> it's two weeks from some point. Two years. At some, at some point, we'll have two more weeks, and then we'll be you're done. Con- you're confused. It's two years. Two years to flatten the curve. Oh, jeez. Well, they changed the definition of weeks. Uh, by the by the, the guidelines. A week is now 365 days. Yeah. Got it. All right. That makes sense. Exactly. All right. So, I mentioned bottom. I say that a lot, the bottom line. Are my listeners, have my listeners and viewers, have you heard of a gentleman by the name of Anthony Bottom? Um now known as, apparently, Jaleel Muntikim. So there he is up on the screen. Can you zoom in on that a little bit, Austin, please? I think this is, uh, I don't know if this is Wikipedia or where I got this from, but but that's Jaleel Muntikim. And it says, if you can if you can read it, it says, Jaleel Abdul Muntikim is a former member of the Black Panther Party and the Black Liberation Army, In August 1971, he was arrested in California along with Albert Washington and Harmon Bell, blah, blah, blah. So he was arrested um, and convicted of murdering two New York City police officers in 1971. And he was sentenced. He went to trial. I believe he went to trial. Uh, It doesn't doesn't matter. He He was sentenced to 25 years to life. So 81, 91, 96. So, um, so he had to serve at least 25 years, potentially life. Um, and he served his 25 years and more, but he was paroled, uh, somewhat recently. I, I believe it was in the past couple of years. Um, I think it was during COVID perhaps that he was released. Um, so, the point of uh, the point of talking about all this is not you know not to rehash the past, not to rehash what he did necessarily, but it's to talk about what's going on right now with him and what the big firestorm is here locally in Monroe County in Rochester, New York, and that is is that the uh, State University of Brockport, uh, Brockport College, uh, it's also known as, has uh, has invited or apparently one or two or three or four professors got together and decided that it was a good idea to invite uh, Mr. Bottom, who was a convicted uh, killer of two police officers, two NYPD police officers, uh, invited him to come speak. And the grant, um, there's always a grant, right? When you talk about a college and you talk about a speaker, you're talking about a grant because somebody's always uh, making money. Somebody's always stealing money from the taxpayer and using it to promote uh, their own personal and political beliefs. So there's a grant uh, known as the Promoting Excellence in Diversity Grant. Uh, I'm not sure what a cop, uh, I'm not going to call him a cop killer. 
because you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna digress if I can for a moment Austin and that is is that I never really liked um I, I always was very conscious about not getting caught up in groupthink um and mass uh mass formation psychology as as it's been coined uh during the COVID era uh, where everyone gets all up in arms about the same thing and they don't think they just react so I've always been very careful about that. Now I'm especially careful about it. Now that COVID happened, and I literally still see to this day, literally to this day, today, I saw somebody driving around alone in their car with a mask on. Um, I am I am going to be hypersensitive for the rest of my days on this earth about whatever whatever the group is thinking, I'm going to immediately run the other direction. I might come back, but I'm not going to come back until I've thought it through and analyzed it, sought verification, and come and, and have come to the conclusion on my own. I'm never going to ju- jump into groupthink. I don't care what side of the aisle it's on. And the groupthink and the mass hysteria in the media um, and in social media and in, and in certain circles right now has been, oh my God, this guy's a cop killer. He shouldn't be allowed on Brockport's campus. Uh, he shouldn't be allowed to speak his mind on this topic. And the reason why he shouldn't uh, is because... Um, the government shouldn't be underwriting it. He shouldn't be given this public platform with taxpayer money and so on and so forth, right? That's what I've heard. That's all I've heard um, locally in the media from certain local media sources. And and I'm not comfortable with that idea, and I'm going to tell you why. And right now, you're probably not comfortable with what I'm saying, but but hear me out. And Austin and I talked about a little talked about this a little bit off air, so... Uh, as always, Austin, the, you know, the invite's open. Jump in at any time, and, and we'll kind of kick this back and forth. But, and I, well, do, and I do on this topic, I do really want to get into the comments if I could. Yeah, yeah. I just, just so you know, off air, my opinion, you know, is close to you. But on the air, I, I'm, I'm in the mob. You know, burn them, burn them at the stake. <laughs> oh, you're such a coward. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm I'm putting my neck out here, right? <laughs> next week, I'm not. Next week, nobody's going to listen to me, right? Nobody's going to watch my podcast ever again after after this topic. After what I'm going to say on this topic, yeah, yeah. And, and I asked you to come along for the ride with me. I asked you to get your head chopped off alongside me, and you don't want to now. Yeah, Great. no, no. I wh- why? That. Clearly, we've never talked about this before. Why would you say such <laughs> things? Oh, so th- there's a lot of different directions I can go with this. So. Bear with me. I'll, I'll try to stay on some sort of linear track here, but but as many of you know who've listened to me bloviate for an hour or more every Tuesday, uh, I, I often struggle with keeping on track here. But um, so I don't want to get caught up in what he did or didn't do in the past and argue about whether or not he should be given some sort of public platform to speak. I guess my question is the real issue should be who it, who wants him to speak and who wants him to speak about what and why, right? The real issue, the real anger should not be directed at the speaker. Right, you can be mad at him all you want. You can hate him all you want. You can be, you can hate the crime that he committed, and and you and you can and you should and 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 so on and so forth. You should absolutely do that, right? 
if he if he was in fact guilty, which he was found guilty in a court of law, and again, I don't know if it was a trial or if he admitted to, the, to these crimes, but either way, let's let's put that in a box for a minute. He was found guilty. He admitted guilt, whatever the case was. He killed two New York City police officers um, on duty in cold blood, and they were vicious crimes too. I don't want to get into all the details, but they were very vicious crimes. Okay, fine, bad. No question about it, bad. Now the reality, though, is he's out of jail. Again, whether you like it or not, good or bad, he's out. Okay? And now he's going to speak on a campus at a state college, which is funded by the taxpayers. All the taxpayers, right? Even the taxpayers that want little yellow dots on the chairs in Brighton Town Court, and and and, and even the taxpayers who want you to drive around in your car with a KN95 mask on. Even those taxpayers, even though... I guess many of them probably don't even pay taxes, but that's a whole other story. So it's all the taxpayers that fund Brockport. And I want to direct my anger or my questions, I guess. I want to direct my questions, my inquiries at the individual professors who think it's a good idea to bring this guy to campus to talk. And why? What is their reasoning, right? What is their logic? What do they want to get out of this guy, this cop killer? And I just did what I said I don't want to do, and that's call him a <laughs> cop killer. All right? Well, but I, I do want to hold on to at least one follower and one listener out of the show. Go ahead, Austin. So uh, I guess I, I'm with you in, in the way that, like, there, there could be valid reasons to bring someone like this to a college campus to speak. Like, if, I don't know, perhaps you're teaching some sort of legal course and, you know, you, you want to give some sort of insight to the prison system as it exists in the United States. And so someone who's been in prison for 50 years could speak to that, you know, whatever, then they're, they're totally valid educational reasons. I think you could bring someone like this to, to a college campus. Well, just to play devil's advocate. Okay. That's fine. That's, that's valid. I mean, to play devil's advocate, of course, somebody would immediately retort back with, okay, well, you can bring in a lawyer to do that. You can bring in a judge to do that. You can bring in, um, a police officer, you can bring somebody who has professional experience in that field. Why bring in a man who was, you know, convicted of, of killing two police officers to do that? So I guess, you know, you, you can get on either side of that discussion and have that discussion. I just, I just don't like the argument that's being put out there that's, that's against uh, what he's doing and what he's about to do because the argument that is being used to attack the fact that Mr. Uh, Bottom, Anthony Bottom, which was his, you know, that's his real name before he converted to Islam. Um, and, and again, I'm going to try to keep up with some of these comments if I can. But the, the reason that's being put out there for why he shouldn't be able to come to campus and speak is because it's the taxpayer-funded uh, platform. And that's just, that's a weak argument right? And it's probably an intellectually dishonest argument is what it is. And it's an argument that if you're going to take it to its logical conclusion, somebody in the government is going to find a way to take away your speech and your freedom of speech, right? The most law-abiding citizens, freedom of speech will also come under fire for some reason. All right. This is part of the gaslighting 
I never, I never really knew what gaslighting was. I never thought it was really a thing again until COVID came along and it, and it's real. Okay. This, this group thing, this, this mass formation psychosis, it's a real thing. And if you're engaging right now, okay. And I, and I want you to reflect. I really do. I want you to think about this. If you're engaging right now in predetermining that the reason why Mr. Bottom shouldn't come to Brockport and speak is because it's a, it's a taxpayer-funded platform, and we don't think that somebody who murdered two police officers should get a taxpayer-funded platform, if that's your only argument, then that argument can and will be turned around against you at some point by our government, right? Our government, the, the people that are in charge of, of foisting the COVID regulations upon all of us are the same ones that are in charge of wanting you to think that way so that then they can use that against you someday. And that's the truth. I'll tell you what, because think about this, right? So, and I, and I heard this on a talk show today, right? Local radio program. I guess I'm told that you're not supposed to talk about other people's uh, platforms because then somehow you're advertising for them. I don't. I don't really care. So Bob Lonsberry, um, you know everybody knows who Bob Lonsberry is. He has a pretty big radio program in town, Wham eleven eighty, and you know Bob Lonsberry was advancing this very argument, and all sorts of callers were calling in and jumping on the bandwagon. And and one of Bob Lonsberry's main arguments was, you know, he shouldn't be doing this with taxpayer funded money, right? And he said, let him go use a a church or a park. Well, guess what? Who do you think pays for the parks, right? I mean, are we going to take away his bus pass too? Can he not take? Can he not use public transportation? Um, can he not use a public library? Can he not use a public park? I, I mentioned the parks. So, if you're worried about the taxpayers funding. Uh, Mr. Bottom speaking at Brockport, then I guess you also think that he shouldn't be able to ride public transportation. And again, look, don't confuse what I'm saying with should he still be in jail, right? I don't know too much about the specifics of his case. From what I have read, though, yeah, he certainly should still be in jail. He was given 25 to life. He could and should be serving life. So the parole system sucks. New York State criminal justice system sucks. Bail reform in New York State sucks. We all know that. Little yellow dots on the chairs post-COVID. Masks on in the courtroom. Screen, plastic screens and plexiglass up everywhere in the courtroom. It sucks. It's all wrong. No question about it. But now he is out, right? He is out. He is allowed to use the roads. He can buy a car and drive on the roads that you and I pay for. He can get a bus pass and take RTS for a dollar, which you and I all pay for, right? He can go to the library and read a book. You and I pay for that. If he has children or grandchildren, he can send them to public schools. You and I pay for that. So he can go to Brockport and speak. And you and I pay for that. You and I cannot go and listen to him. You and I can speak out. You and I can speak a better truth than what he's going to speak. But that's what freedom of speech is. We either all have it or none of us have it. You, you see the difference, right? You see the difference between should he be out of jail and should he be allowed to speak 
and use a public park and use public transportation once he's out of jail. You do see the difference, don't you? And again, if you don't see the difference, then that that sword that you're yielding right now, that you're wielding, I should say, that sword that you're wielding against Mr. Bottom will be wielded against you in due time by the government. It, it really will. You already saw it wielded against you for the past two years by the government. So <clears throat> now, with all that said, I, I will address one specific problem um, that I see when it, when it comes to the whole taxpayer-funded aspect of what's going on with Mr. Bottom and, and going out uh, going out there to Brockport to speak. And that is, the, re the report is, uh, the word on the street, so to speak, is that on top of going there to speak, he's being paid to do it, okay? Now, I'm not sure if many of you knew that or not, and, and if that's what your chief complaint is, then fine, I can, I can live with that argument. I can live with that complaint because he certainly shouldn't be paid to speak because once you're getting paid to speak, now you're in a different arena. Now it's this pay-to-play type of thing. Right now, it's not just he's going to the public park and standing on his soapbox, soapbox and exercising his First Amendment right to speak. Now it's not that he's uh, riding public transportation and kicking it around with you know the person sitting next to him. He's actually being paid, affirmatively being paid to speak. Um, that's where certainly there's a problem because that's not that's not public. Uh, that's not a public platform anymore. That that crosses over into somebody is taking our tax dollars and using them to fund their own political beliefs. Uh, you, you know, and that's unfortunately what politicians have been doing for years, right? That's what you know campaign donations are all about, um, and, and taxation is all about. They take our money and then they use it against us. So that's where your anger should be. Your anger should be, and don't you know? Don't let me tell you what to get angry about, but. Your anger should be at wondering why the individuals that do want him to come speak um, want him to. What, what is it that they want to accomplish here? And number two, why are they paying him to do it? Why are they, why are they dipping into the taxpayer coffers and affirmatively paying this guy? The report is, what I had heard was he's getting paid $1,300. Now, why thirteen hundred? Why not twelve hundred? Why not fourteen hundred? It's probably thirteen thousand. I mean, somebody, you know, somebody's lying there, right? I mean, where do they come up with thirteen hundred dollars, right? But in any event, so, um, you know, here's here's another interesting aspect to this. Again, if if, if there's something that you want to get angry about and direct your anger at on this issue. It, it's this. When Brockport was called and asked, when the administrative level was called at Brockport and asked, you know, to comment on this by the news stories, of course, they gave the old, you know, college try with their response of freedom of speech, right? Well, we, we, don't, we don't endorse what he's going to say, but we do believe in freedom of speech. And I know St. John Fisher College is different than Brockport, but in this regard, they're all the same, right? They're all run by the liberal left. They're all run by um, esoterical liberals, um, the, the liberal elites, these college professors, the vast majority of them are. So a few years back, the, uh, the vast majority of the professors at St. John Fisher College, they got up in arms over Rudy Giuliani coming to speak at 
a graduation commencement ceremony. He was going to be the commencement speaker at, at graduation. And a bunch of professors got together and they signed a petition and they all got up in arms and so on and so forth. So, and I don't recall St. John Fisher, and I'm sure if Brockport was in the same shoes, uh, I'm certain that they would have reacted the same, but I don't recall any of these liberal institutions, these academics, I don't recall them jumping up and down and screaming freedom of speech when, um, when somebody invited Rudy, Rudy Giuliani to speak right, at St. John Fisher College. And in fact, more recently, a bunch of professors got together and signed a petition to have Rudy Giuliani's honorable honorary degree that St. John Fisher uh, had given Rudy Giuliani. Uh, they wanted to take that away. So make no mistake, freedom of speech, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't work from the left, right? They don't want somebody like me to have freedom of speech. They want to have their freedom of speech. Um, because they're the tyrant, right? They're the ones looking to ultimately exterminate liberty and freedom because they're banking on the fact that by the time they're done exterminating it, they're going to be at the top of the heap, okay? Somebody like me, and what I'm hoping to impart upon my listeners and followers because I want you to be like this in this regard is I want you to be for freedom on both sides of the aisle. Okay, because that's the best way to ensure your long-term freedom. The best way for me to ensure somebody's long-term freedom, my own, <laughs> namely, is to guarantee or advocate for the long-term freedom of those I don't agree with. And then mine will come along with, with that proposition, right? If my enemies have freedom, well, then I'm going to have freedom. But if you always jump into the group think. If you always jump on the side of the aisle of take away somebody's freedom, then yours will be taken away at some point. It just will. So this really is a freedom of speech issue. That I agree with. I do believe he does have the freedom of speech. He has the freedom of speech, right? Should he be in jail? Yeah, definitely. But now he's not. And he should have his freedom of speech. And you, sh and you should have yours. And you should speak a better truth than he's going to speak. And you should speak out against Brockport. But in my opinion, you shouldn't be speaking out against Brockport in a matter that's trying to eliminate um, their ability and his ability to speak freely. You should just be speaking out against Brockport about a better truth. Austin, did I cover it all? I think so. Uh, Come on, jump in. Disagree yeah, with me. Disagree I mean, I think... Do something. Uh, Going back to your point about him getting paid even, I, I don't even know that I would disagree with that so far uh, as like if... You think he should get paid? Not No, I like I would not pay him. But but if the professors took the, the proper route and then made the proper justifications, if they, if they could, through whatever means they use to decide who gets paid to speak where and when and how... Mm -hmm. Uh, if they went through all that process and, you know, decided, yes, all right, he gets paid, fine. That I don't know that I necessarily have a problem with that. Um, yeah, however, if, if, like, on the other end, if they were, like, denying some uh, conservative speaker on, you know, some nonsense, if, the, if, like, there was, like, a conservative professor who tried and failed to get a speaker, well, then that would be... That would be where I would 
step in and be like, okay, well, sure, there's and a then, double standard. It, it, well, exactly, and that and that's the and that's the key, right? There, there definitely, most definitely, is a double standard. That's what I just tried to to articulate with the Rudy Giuliani scenario, right. and 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 something that occurred to me today when I thought when I was thinking about this topic was that. So the officer that was found guilty in the death of George Floyd, right? The officer who we've, we, you know, we've all seen the video, nine minutes, he's got his knee on his neck, George Floyd dies, that officer goes on criminal trial, he's found guilty, and he's going to serve a lot of time in jail. When that cop gets out of jail, and SUNY Brockport <laughs> invites him to speak on campus, well, I guess the point, the real point is this, is SUNY Brockport, is any professor at SUNY Brockport, going to invite that officer to come speak on campus for on, on any topic, and if they did, right? If there was, if there was the the so-called pro police or the Blue Lives uh, Matter type of contingency at Brockport, if they invited the police officer, and I don't know his name off the top of my head, do you, Austin? Uh, no, not off the. So the police the officer that that kneeled on the neck of George Floyd, if that police officer is invited onto the campus of Brockport seven years from now when he's out of jail, what do you think the response is going to be? Ask yourself what you think your response would be, right? If your response to Anthony Bottom speaking... Uh, Derek Chauvin? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep, Derek Chauvin, yep. If your response to Anthony Bottom coming to speak at Brockport was anger because of what he had done, and what he was convicted of doing. If that was your response, that he shouldn't be able to speak, right, because it's a taxpayer-funded platform, then shouldn't that same response apply to if Derek Chauvin is going to come speak? Maybe it is. And and, and really, I, I really don't mean to draw the conclusion for you. I just want us all to be thinking about these things because I I need us, I want us you need to be logical and consistent, right? Because in order for freedom to apply and last, more importantly, in order for it to last, it has to apply across the board. It just has to. Because, again, I can't, I can't beat the dead horse enough. The, the moment you find a person or a scenario to not apply it to is the moment that the dominoes begin to fall. And we're already there, right? The dominoes are already falling. They've been falling for years, and we're all guilty of it. Uh, Dave brings up a good point here. Uh, about the excellence the, in diversity. Yes, that is the, I 100%. think, the, the grant that is used to pay uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Jaleel. Yeah, and, uh, and I and I pointed that out about twenty minutes or so ago, and and a hundred percent. I mean, again, that's where we we should be directing our anger, if we have any, to direct at the appropriate issue and at the appropriate people. And that is, you know, what is this promoting excellence and diversity grant? It shouldn't even exist in the first place. Most most definitely, it shouldn't exist on a college campus where where you're supposed to be educated on math and science and social studies, um, and then. Why are we using these types of grants? Well, we know why we're using them. They're, they're created and they're used to fund political agendas, which is what this is. This is a political agenda, no question about it. So I kind of want to end on this, and I, I mentioned earlier where I wanted to kind of connect up a couple dots here. So this 
this, these dots that I want to connect. And, th- and this is uncomfortable. I mean, I, I've thought about this and, and I've wrestled in my own mind with this, with this proposition. And, and many of you have heard me say this before. Um, you know, I've been in the back, the blue crowd, I've been to the back, the blue rallies, uh, and then I've been arrested by the blue, uh, for not wearing a mask. So I'm not trying to brag, but I don't know how many of you in the last two years have been on, on, uh, either side of that spectrum to the extent that I have been right. I've been all the way to one side of the spectrum and back to the other side of the spectrum. So I, I have a, a, a pretty good experience, but that experience also causes me to have, um, you know, some, it causes me to have to do a lot of mental gymnastics, right? To think about where I stand on these issues. And that's why I just want to stand on the side of freedom at all times. That's where I've always wanted to be. And, and now that I've lived through what I've just lived through for the past two years, um, it's kind of a reckoning or a refocusing. So this is what I want you to think about. I want you to think about something that the police officer, uh, the, the Monroe County Sheriff deputy said um, to a particular individual who, who complained, uh, for the lack of a better word, complained about having to put the mask on yesterday when, when, uh, when he didn't have to wear a mask moments earlier, uh, but then was instructed that once you step foot inside that courtroom, you know, COVID's going gonna to run rampant and you need to have the mask on. And the individual said to the police officer something to the effect of, you know, oh, whatever, you know, now you're going to be the bad guy. And the officer kind of chuckled and said, well, you know, unfortunately, uh, we're all kind of in this un, uh, unfortunate predicament. All right. I know what he meant by that. Right, every every word, every sentence that somebody says has meaning. Right, he had meaning behind that, and basically what he was trying to impart is, look, I'm just doing what I'm told. Okay, I don't want to wear this either. I'm just doing what I'm told. I'm a police officer. I took an oath to the Constitution of the United States of America. Yet I'm still just going to do what I'm told, even though that I know it's wrong. Right, obviously that officer knows that was wrong. On many levels, scientifically, it's wrong. Obviously, otherwise, the individuals, myself included, we would have all had to have worn worn masks while we were outside the courtroom. So, scientifically, he knows it's wrong, but he also knows that it's wrong lawfully and constitutionally. Okay, but he's doing it anyway. He's he's forcing, literally, he's forcing because if 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 we didn't put masks on, he would have forcefully removed us from the courthouse. Right? We we know that to be true. So he's. He's forcing people to do something that he knows is wrong. Okay. Now I know you're going to, I know you're going to immediately, you know, turn your camera off when, when I go here, but you have to equate that to what happened with Hitler, right? You just do not because this officer murdered anybody at the request of anybody, but the people that did murder at the request of Hitler they did it because they were following orders. So put aside what their conduct was for a moment and focus on why they engaged in the conduct that they did engage in. They did so because they were following orders. Okay? The SS Guard, they were regular people too. Right? They had families too. They were no different than that Monroe County Sheriff Deputy at Brighton Town Court last night who was just following orders. In fact, at one point, learn your history, folks. Read a book. Um, at one point... And I don't know his name. I, I probably should read more books too. But whoever Hitler's right-hand man was, he went out into the field, right? He went out in the field to personally witness the mass murders that were going on by gunfire, right? So the SS guard was was literally rounding up the Jews, 
and digging graves, digging mass pits, and putting bullets in the back of people's heads. And the and, and Hitler's right-hand man went out and started viewing this, you know, taking it all in for himself. And he came to the quick realization that, wow, this is going to, this must be having a traumatic, very traumatic impact on these individuals that they're having to um, commit these atrocities. So not, so, so, so Hitler didn't say, well, we're going to stop committing the atrocities. What Hitler decided to do and what Hitler's um, enforcers decided to do was change how they were going to murder, right? Because it's traumatic for these officers to have to pull the trigger, pull the trigger, pull the trigger, pull the trigger, dig the grave, dig the grave, dig the grave, shovel the dirt, shovel the dirt, shovel the dirt. That's too traumatic for them. So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to build showers. We're just going to mass exterminate people with the push of a button. We're going to gas them to death. It's less traumatic. I don't need my police officers out there pulling the trigger. They still followed the orders, right? They still continued to follow the orders. So we're, what we're living through right now, it's pretty dangerous stuff. It's pretty sick stuff because we are witnessing, I've personally witnessed it, you've personally witnessed it, some of you haven't personally witnessed it, but you know it's true because you've heard about it from credible sources like myself. We've personally witnessed the erosion of our Constitution. We've personally witnessed police officers who will openly and knowingly violate the law because they're just doing what they're told. And everything starts somewhere before it gets somewhere, right? You don't ever get a dollar until you have a penny. A penny's nothing, right? You leave it on the ground. You throw it away. You toss it in your change dish. But you never have a dollar without the penny, right? You never have the bullet in the back of a Jew's head standing over a pre-dug grave without somebody who just didn't follow, or I'm sorry, without somebody who just was following orders. You have to start somewhere. So what we're seeing right now is nothing but a conditioning. We're going through the conditioning stage. We're going through the grooming stage. These police officers are being conditioned and groomed to follow orders no matter what they are, period. And I asked you earlier, explain to me why else what I saw going on in Brighton last night was going on in Brighton. Explain to me. It's not because of COVID. It's not because of a virus, right? It's because of something else. So what is it? What is it? I want you to have freedom. That's why, that's why this is the Got Freedom podcast. And you don't got freedom if you have uniformed police officers who have badges and guns literally walking the streets right now in Rochester, New York, who are just doing what they're told. You do not have freedom if that's what's going on. Because they do have a badge and a gun. And they can arrest you. And they can use that weapon if they are told to. All right. Thank you for joining me. God Freedom, Chad Hummel on the God Freedom Podcast here at the We The People Podcast Studios. Thank you to my producer, Austin, from Rockbox Productions. And tomorrow, uh, join us for the big show, Kimberly's Revolution, at 4 o'clock on, uh, on the We The People Podcast Network. Thank you, everybody, and have a great night.
the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.